Welcome to Life on Pause, a podcast defining the experience of being a young adult with cancer. Each episode, we explore issues impacting young adults in and after treatment. Like what you hear? Have something to add? Come join us for next month's recording, the third Tuesday at 6 p.m. AVN is a short for avascular necrosis, or also called osteonecrosis sometimes. And it's basically wherever you're, you have problems with blood flow to your bones. And so your bone can start to die because it's not getting enough blood flow and it can um, start to collapse, which is like not great and can cause a lot of chronic pain. And I was told I had AVN probably like a couple of months to a year into my treatment is because of the steroids I was on for treatment that developed, that caused it. I had it in my hips and my knees, both of them. And then I also recently found that I also have it in my left ankle. So that's fun. (laughs) My name's Taylor. I'm 28 now, but I was 12 when I was diagnosed with leukemia. And I don't really remember the exact like time that I was diagnosed with it, like into treatment, but it was years ago. And just, I kind of started having just like pain in my ankles. And so I went and tried to get that figured out and got x-rayed and was kind of just heavily questioned and makes you almost feel like you're like going crazy because they would be like point to where it hurts. And I'm like, there's no where it hurts. It's just inside of there. And so it kind of started with that. Luckily now I don't really have a as big of a problem with my ankles. My biggest problem is mostly my right knee. Right now that's my biggest issue, but I've just had like a lot of doctor appointments and MRIs and x-rays and just to find out that that's what the problem was. And it was good to finally find out that there is a name for it. It's not just a side effect or it's not just you have this pain, but now to hear that there's a name for it and you know what it is. And it's good to, not good to hear that other people have it, but it's nice to be able to relate to some people now. My name is Megan. I was diagnosed in 2017 with leukemia and I about the same boat as Kat, where it was a couple months into maybe a year of treatment, probably more on the, the couple months side, because I had gotten a fungal infection and they had to do a bone scan to see how my bones were reacting to that medication and if it was affecting my bones, if there was fungal growth on the bones and whatnot. And that's kind of where they started seeing different spots, not only from fungal infection, but also from the necrosis. And I I just mainly have it in the one hip with that, you know, I did have more flare-ups whenever I was on the steroids, you know, just that radiating pain, consistent pain down. Since I've been off of the steroids and done with treatment, it has gotten a lot better. I still notice it here and there. You know, I worked a job when I was on my feet for nine hours a day. And by the end of the day, I my leg was just killing me because, you know, constantly moving, constantly doing things and everything like that. So it's just kind of a take it as you, you will and move kind of forward with it. But don't just throw it out the window and leave it to hang to dry. You know, you got to address it, you know, whenever it needs addressed. So I did manage to play sports all of that I found for me personally that physical activity and movement helped it and I didn't notice the pain as much with that but for everybody it can be a little different. My name is Shelly. 
I just help behind the scenes coordinate the podcast. But today, I'm also standing in as the voice of Britt. And she writes about being diagnosed with AVN that it was so long ago that I don't really remember, but I do remember having constant soreness and pain in both my ankles. And I was about 13 at the time. So my mom probably thought I was whining about something that would go away eventually or thought it was temporary. And so I would constantly ask for piggyback rides or breaks to sit on a bench during long walks. And that's something that normal 13-year-olds don't do. They, they're usually running around in their invincible, invincible little bodies with en- endless energy. So that's kind of what led me to have a diagnosis of AVN. I think that is kind of interesting. I feel like that we all kind of like, at least from what we've shared here, the ankles were like a big one because initially I actually didn't have it in my ankles. That actually wasn't a more recent development a few years after get developing the first time. But my ankles are what was hurting me. And that's why I thought I had it in my ankles at first. And they were like, no, it's just your knees and hips. So I don't know what it is about ankles. But one of the things that we want to talk about is kind of like how like AVNs like impacted our lives, like both in small and big ways. I know a small way for me is just the chronic pain because I've had my knees and my hips, just a lot of like weight bearing, like for like long periods of time, especially just standing still can just like be really painful. I also found like how um, Megan was saying when I'm like walking or doing like exercises or just actual activity isn't as painful, but having to stand for long periods of time, that's really difficult for me. And the bigger way was because of it um, being in my left ankle, I actually had to, in July, get an ankle fusion surgery because the pain was so bad in my ankle that I couldn't even walk like 10 feet without crying. So I got that surgery done as a way to uh, help manage the pain, hopefully. So I'm currently recovering from that. And that's just kind of like messed up like my whole schedule for the semester and things. So it's a little stressful, but uh, it continues to impact my life even all these like years later. So ankles is quite interesting. I was never diagnosed with my ankles, but maybe I should have them checked because my feet and ankles are always kind of like bothering me after a day of work. Small thing, like you had said, constantly being on your feet and stuff, you know, that definitely bothers me. Sucker my husband into a lot of back rubs and feet rubs and stuff to help with that. So that's a plus of, of that. But one big thing that I can think of is it would have been think February of 2020. It was like right before COVID hit. I was playing, I finished my treatment. I was playing rec league field hockey. I was running and I went to stop and I heard a pop in my knee and I got an MRI and they found out it was my ACL that had torn. And when the doctor had looked at the MRI, she had asked if I had steroid usage or had fungal infections and I shook my head and said yes and she goes well which one I said well both and she goes okay and she kind of correlates the potential tear of my ACL to the weakness in my femur because it didn't split in half it came off of the bone so I think she didn't say specifically that that has was what caused it but she was kind of hinting at it that is potential reason as to what had caused it but it just kind of makes me a little bit more cautious with what I'm doing activity wise and things like that in life 
I think it's interesting how you, some of you were saying that when you're doing activities, it helps because I think that that's kind of the opposite for me, like going through school and stuff when I was in treatment for like the last years that I was in school, like I didn't have gym class. I couldn't like run the mile and play the sports and do the stuff that everybody was doing because I was just in pain with my legs and I would just sit off to the side and then eventually just didn't participate in gym class. And I remember when it first started, I couldn't even wear like shoes with backs because they hurt my ankle so much. And I remember like the first pair of sneakers that we got after I started getting better with my ankles and it just made me so upset that like I can wear sneakers and it's something that other people would probably just dismiss or think is silly. But to me, that was a big thing. And kind of just how you were saying, um, Megan, about after a long day at work standing, I used to work at um, a hospital and be on my feet eight hours a day and not sit at all except for a half hour break. And after work, I would get into my car and just want to sit there and cry because it was just so painful that I would just have to force myself and tell myself, just drive home. You can lay down there. Like there's no use sitting in the parking lot, getting upset because you're in pain. And now I'm in search for a new job and everything that I look into just scares me because I don't want to put myself in that position again, where every day I am constantly killing myself and constantly feeling that pain all the time. But then it's also what do you do though? You can't not work. So what's a good, what's a good um, thing for you then? And I think it's just like a constant thing in the back of my head of that. It's been 16 years since I've been diagnosed. So it's been a big amount of time, but it's never going to go out of my mind that I had cancer because I'm always going to feel this pain. It's always going to be there to remind me that you have this pain because of that. And I think it just kind of, sometimes makes me live in like a state of fear of like, there's things that I want to do, but I don't let myself do it because of that. And just like, I've never ice skated and I would love to go try to do that. But I'm scared of if I fall or something, it's not going to be like a normal person falling. I'm going to hurt myself. I was walking my dog the one year, slipped on ice, fell. And for a normal person, you probably would have just been bruised or embarrassed. You fell on the sidewalk or whatever, but I sprained my knee and couldn't walk for a couple of months. So I think it just always scares me of like, I'm feeling the pain. I don't want to fall down the steps. I'm scared of just like, it's always just in the back of my head of this is there. And the reason is because of I had cancer, so I can never escape it. Yeah, that is really true. Like, I really want to try rollerblading, but I'm terrified too, because I'm like, I can't even risk falling. Like, I don't know what'll happen. My bones are brittle. So yeah. And that's, that's kind of the thing with the AVN, like, you know, like we get the diagnosis of cancer and like that super sucks <laughs> and that's like really awful and everything. You kind of get used to it though. And then like a little bit later they're hit with like, oh, also you have this other condition that's like a lifelong thing. And it's because of the treatment they have to do to like survive the cancer. And like, that's what gave it to you. And I think like that just really sucks. I don't know how like anyone else like felt about like having to get that second diagnosis then and like how that was on top of like the cancer i'll jump in with some great answers both to that question and the one before when she was thinking about how avn impacted her life in large and small ways she wrote this is a loaded question with many layers but i'll just list a few highlights so one of the biggest ones that i was that i was on crutches from 8th to 12th grade to try to reduce the amount of weight I was putting on my joints on a daily basis. 
most kids on crutches in high school just sprain their ankle and people look and say, what happened? And there's a simple and sometimes funny answer. But when people looked me and said, what happened? I didn't really know how to answer. And people were even more confused when they saw me months later and the crutches hadn't gone away. I look normal. I walk normal. But people didn't really understand why a perfectly normal young person was on crutches for over four years. And then there's those little instances of feeling left out that all add up over time. Like so due to my inability to run and jump and stand for long periods of time, I can't like go to the trampoline park or walk around Disney World all day or even go um, on a run or jump around at concerts or um, walking around on college campus on a cold, rainy day. So this is me now, Shelly, in my, in my voice. It's like really that thing where these little things can add up. And it's sometimes probably difficult to honor what a kind of load that is to carry. So then um, Britt answers the question of the second diagnosis of AVN, that it was really scary and confusing. The doctor that she had for the AVN diagnosis has zero, had zero bedside manner. So when he told me and my mom what I had, followed by the options I had, I started crying right in front of him. My dreams of going to college and walking around the whole campus like a normal person were crushed. I fell into a puddle in that doctor's office, and all he could do was shake my hand and leave the room. He didn't tell me that people with AVM can have completely successful and normal lives and that it is manageable and will not ruin my life. So my family and I were left to do what you can do when your doctor just leaves the room. We looked to Google for all the answers, and this made nothing better, only scarier and more confusing. I have AVN in my ankle. So it really is an ankle night tonight for AVN, which is one of the least common places to get it. So there is little research features and success stories for me to have and hold on to for hope. So I kind of just had to figure out as I went, figuring out what works for me and my bones, figuring out my personal limitations, and then bouncing between crutches, wheelchairs, physical therapists, and home remedies. That's really good. Like what she said, it is really like trying to figure out like what works for like your bones and stuff, because I guess like whatever worked for me probably won't work for Taylor. Same for like Megan, we all kind of have like different things. That makes it, it does make it hard trying to find information on it. I feel like I hate having to explain AVN to people because Sometimes like I don't even know what this is. I just have it. And another thing is like with pain flare-ups and like how that can make things kind of um unpredictable. And I know for an example for me is one time I had to completely miss a day of school because I was having such a bad pain flare-up day that I was just like laying in bed, like just in pain. Like that was literally all I could do that day. And one of my professors required doctor's notes to miss class and it was like attendance heavy class. And so when I went in the next day, he was like, hey, like, why did you miss class? And I was just like, oh, I was really caught off guard by that because I didn't have like a doctor's note or anything. I was just like, oh, I was just like in a lot of pain. And I like kind of said it, I guess, like really sad and pathetic because like I was just really caught off guard. And he just seemed really just unimpressed. And it was, it was really awkward and really uncomfortable. I felt really embarrassed because I didn't know how to explain my whole medical history and like two seconds to a professor that's kind of intimidating and scary and it's just like moments like that that I think can make it hard in general with having AVN but also especially with the pain flare-ups and stuff 
don't know if anyone else has experienced something like that or wants to share, but that was, that was my experience. I know with my college professors, I know a lot of the material that we had to do in class. I went to school for exercise science. So you do a lot of lab work in those classes. I'm very fortunate that my professors were very understanding with what I couldn't, couldn't do and things like that. But I did feel very left out, especially whenever we were doing the lab studies, because, you know, if I was having, if I was on the steroids and was having pain, I didn't feel like I could do it. And my professors, like there was one lab that we were doing and my one professor was like, you are not doing this because like, I don't want you to push your body that hard. So, and like to me, like, I'm like, oh, okay, well, thank you for looking out for me. But at the same time, I'm like, but I want to be just like everybody else. I still want to be part of the class. So I think that was the most difficult thing for me to get that understanding. Like they're, they're looking out for me and it's okay to not be involved with that. And I just had to kind of like learn to accept that and everything. And then with like the diagnosis, I also have the mindset where I'm like, if you're going to tell me I can't do something, I'm going to prove you wrong. And I am going to, you know, do that. So like, as soon as I was diagnosed, they were like, you might want to take it a little bit easy as, you know, as far as exercise. And that was like right then and there. But I'm like, well, isn't exercise good for you? Like, what if I, you know, just start with biking and in my hospital room, I had a stationary bike that I would sit and pedal for hours and hours and hours. So that seemed to help. But I think the the first question out of my mouth was, can I still play field hockey? And they didn't have an answer for me. At that point in time, I'm like, okay, well, how can I make my body feel okay enough to still play? Like, what can I tolerate with that type of thing? So I think it's just with the initial or the second diagnosis with the AVN and then like, okay, I still want to do this. So what can I get? What can I do for myself to be able to do what I want to do? Yeah, I think it's kind of just teaching yourself like what, what are you okay with doing? And it still is hard because you don't want to feel left out. Just like growing up and everybody's playing kickball or running around and you want to do that too. And it's kind of embarrassing of like, well, what's the reason that you can't? And kind of like Kat said about, you don't want to have to explain your whole life story to people every time you meet people. And you can't just explain to somebody that you have a, that I have a knee problem or something without saying the cause, which is the whole cancer story. And it just turns into a whole thing. And then I think I can really relate to the story about the doctors with no bedside manner. Just, I was trying to really find out answers and going to all these doctors and just kind of in recent years, trying to see what I could do for myself because I'm just, it's 2021. There has to be more out there. And I went to a doctor a couple of years ago and he basically said, my only option is a knee replacement. And at that point, I'm like in my mid twenties and it just, I just didn't want to hear it, that this cannot be the only resolution for a young person. And so I walked out, I didn't want to hear it, just left been to multiple other doctors that have just told me like, well, when you're ready for a knee replacement, come back. And now being 28, I'm just like, I'm trying to put it off as much as I can, because in my mindset, um, kind of how like Megan was saying, like, I kind of get stubborn with myself of like, well, no, I, I can do this and I'm going to hang in there as long as I can. 
and you told me that this is my only option. Well, to me, it's not. I'm, I'm going to keep going for as long as I can, because to me, it's just a normal part of my life now that I've just been dealing with for so long that, yeah, there are bad days, but this is just how I am now. And this is just, this is just what it is. So it's hard to have that as a diagnosis because maybe like three years or so ago, the survivorship clinic and everybody at Hershey dismissed me. I was good as they, you know, past 18 or past your state of where everything should be going okay. So I didn't need to go there anymore. And that's exciting that, you know, hey, I'm doing well, but then it's also scary. And they give you this whole packet of, okay, here's all the medications that you were on. And these are the things that it could have done to you. And I look at my mom and I'm like, they didn't tell you this like 16 years ago, like they're only telling you this now. But in that moment, you know, you don't have time to think like, oh, like 16 years from now, I'm going to be in really bad pain. I'm going to have a lot of trouble. I'm going to hurt to walk. I'm going to have all these issues because in the moment, like you can't think about that. You're just trying to do what you have to do to be okay and healthy. You can't think down the line, you know, I'm going to be okay, but I'm going to have all these things to deal with too now. I think that going through with what we've gone through is you try to live in the here and now, but then your mind always juts out into, okay, what if this, what if that, what if in 10 years, what if in my next clinic visit, you know, I would start to have anxiety with my next clinic visit because all these thoughts that, okay, what if my counts aren't right? What if I, what if, it, what if it comes back and I would just get myself so worked up and I, I'm glad I'm not the only one that has those thoughts rushing through, not only with the cancer diagnosis, but with the AVN diagnosis. Okay. Like, what do I need to be careful with? What do I, what can I do now? What's going to happen in the future? Like, you know, those, those thoughts are, are all there, but I just need to rein, rein them back in into the here and now. So. Yeah. Cancer really is just one of those lifelong things and you don't really realize it necessarily in the moment and it's not till kind of like after treatment and stuff that you're like oh hey like I'm still like living with everything that's happened and then you also have like another thing that's for real like lifelong AVN on top of that it makes it really stressful and I guess that kind of like goes into like how I guess AVN just in general interferes um, with our life and stuff I know for me it's it's really just the chronic pain I think that's like the biggest interference and having the surgery then to like help with the pain, hopefully, again, fingers crossed, and having to take the semester off because my school wasn't willing to work with me to make accommodations to do online classes, which is weird because we did that all last year, but I digress. And just things like that. And that has like kind of completely thro thrown everything in the chaos for me. And I don't know what I'm doing right now. I assume this is probably really relatable to <laughs> everyone else too. Um, certainly it is to, to Britt. She definitely also experiences pain flare-up, mostly on days where it's cold or rainy. Um, and there's not really a good time to have an unexpected flare-up. One time it happened on a date with a boy I had just started dating. We had planned to go to Hershey Park and Chocolate World and the light show. And I was fine until the moment I stepped out of the car and started walking to the park. Shooting the stabbing pain quickly took over one of my ankles and therefore my whole leg. We found a bench and this sweet, clueless boy quickly came to learn what my reality was like. By the way, this sweet boy is still sweet today and he's not as clueless as he used to be. We have been dating for two years. But it happens on days when I have an important test at school and I feel like I can't walk across campus to get there. 
Um, it's happened at important family events and on normal days at the grocery store. Nobody can see, and it feels like nobody understands because once again, I look like I'm fine. So mostly it's interfered socially. I'm a, and, and this is written in text, so it's big people person, your classic social butterfly. I love piling on as many fun things as humanly possible in one day, like constantly power walking from one place to the next. So ABN keeps me from doing things, which leads to me feeling left out or FOMO. For me, these feelings make me feel like I can't breathe metaphorically. And staying in one place for too long feels like I'm drowning. So sometimes it forces me to miss out or have to rest and I don't have control. And that makes me go insane. Yeah, big part of it being invisible and having like this otherwise like normal appearance and stuff as a person that struggles with this. I personally consider like AVN and chronic pain to be like an invisible disability. And if like that's kind of like how everyone else sees it and stuff, like we've kind of talked about some of the ways that people dismiss us because of the fact that they can't see what we're experiencing. And just like, what are some ways that, you know, maybe we're dismissed or people don't understand like our condition? I know a big part for me is kind of wanting to mask and not tell people I'm in pain because I don't want to explain again everything about it. And also, I honestly, a lot of times people don't believe me, even like close friends kind of are like, oh, like, are you really like that much in pain? Like, you know, kind of question it because like, I don't look like I'm in pain or I don't look like I have like this awful condition and stuff. So, you know, whenever I was getting ready to go back to school right after I was diagnosed and everything, my social worker, Aubrey, she had suggested about talking to the school about potentially getting a temporary handicap parking pass. And I'm like, oh, no, I don't need that. Well, I get like a semester in and I am exhausted. It hurts to walk across campus. So we got everything filled out and all ready to go. And I walk into the university police station and the lady there looks at it and she goes, why do you need this? And to me, I was just like, why would you ask somebody that? They have the paperwork done. You don't need to ask them that. So I, I had a beanie on. I took my beanie off and I said, I have, I have leukemia. And it, it pains me to walk the whole way across campus. And then she really felt like a, a butthole. But you can edit that out, Shelly. I'm sorry. But it just, it really. Why would I just leave that off? That I don't, happens. I don't know. And it happens. And it's unfortunate, but it's true. Yeah. It really, it really irritated me that she would, that person would do that, especially coming from, you know, a respectable place, like of the, the university police station and things like that. So, yeah, definitely. I think like at my old job, I would always hear the comment of you're young, you can do this. And I try to tell myself it's not their fault because like Pat said, I try to keep things to myself. Like I really don't tell them everything unless I really get close to somebody. So people at work didn't really know. So I can't really judge them for that completely. But I would always hear, oh, you can lift this or you can do this. You can bend down and do this or whatever. You're young. You can do this. And it just is really hurtful to have that assumption put out there because I can be a third of your age. And that doesn't mean that I haven't had more things or less things to do than you have. It doesn't mean that I haven't had a harder life or struggles to go through because yeah you can look at all of us and we look fine and healthy and 
we have our hair and we're active and running around, but that doesn't mean that we don't have struggles every day that we're dealing with ourselves. And I just always hated to hear that just because of my appearance or because of my age, you think I'm incapable of something when really, you know, nothing about what I'm dealing with every day. And I think that was just always hard. But then I just try to tell myself, you know, people don't know it's not their fault, but it doesn't mean that it's not a hurtful thing to hear or have to deal with all the time. I always would say, I wish I had a business card with all of the information that I'm about to tell you on it, because I was just so sick of telling people everything that was going on. Like, I wish I could have taken that big binder that they give you whenever you're diagnosed and I have all of my medical records, like all of my medical history and everything that's wrong with me and just condense it onto a little card and hand it to people. Then I know it would have saved me a lot of words and with all of that. So for future reference, anybody that's newly diagnosed, maybe maybe come up with that idea. Just just type it out onto a note card. So anytime anybody asks, you can just hand them the card and walk away. I'm curious on that card, what would you put as the image? Because if you don't have a lot of space, you got to kind of get people's mind around it quickly with an image. If I was good at creating memes, I would make it a meme. I don't know what for meme, but if I was good at creating those, I'm sure there's one out there. But I just have that sense of humor where I would kind of do it that way. Maybe not the most appropriate, but all I can think of is there's like this kind of like little like meme drawing of like a cat giving someone the middle finger, like an actual like little cat. And that's like, that's what I would put yes. on it. <laughs> so that's how I feel. Like, yeah, you're a jerk. <laughs> like, that is yeah, so- the thing that just popped into my head is just like, mind your business. Just like, you don't know what's going on. Let's just like Megan said about getting that pass. Like it shouldn't be questioned. You don't know, like you don't like to have that feeling of you're, you're exaggerating or you're milking it or, you know, you're taking advantage of something or you just, I get into just those stubborn moods or I'm just going to do it. And just like, sorry for you if you don't like this. Or like my friend at work was always really helpful and always told me to take the elevator when like she knew I was having a problem. And then I just joke about things to try to make myself feel better. I'm just like, I'll take that when I'm in a wheelchair or like when I really need it. But then you just are always pushing yourself to really, to really not need it. Great also had a few thoughts about high school and ABM being an invisible disability. So she mostly felt that people didn't get it when she was in high school. She did choose to use bright pink crutches, so it was a little hard to fit in, and people would ask what was going on, and then my answer would just make them more confused. And then some people didn't ask, and they just saw me carrying my crutches on the days I was feeling good and didn't need them. So then people would make comments that I was faking it or just wanted attention, which was really the last thing that I wanted with this condition. And it was hurtful and confusing, and people didn't understand understand. I couldn't expect them to though, but now I feel still feel like I live with chronic pain, but people are more understanding. Or even if they don't understand, they're a lot less cruel than high schoolers. And even the high school teachers who were at times worse than the students. Not understanding of just like, it's not just a, like for me, it's not just a sometimes thing. My like, there's days when it's not as bad, but my basis is always bad now. It's just not normal, but the not normal is my normal now. So I think that 
people really just don't understand that it's not for me it's not really a come and go kind of thing I mean like there's worse days and better days but it's always there so I don't have a day where I'm not where it's, I'm pain-free or where I'm, I'm not having an issue. It's just like when I was going through treatment, my grandma would always ask me, is it a good day or a bad day? And, you know, just because you get tired of hearing, like, how are you? But some days are better and some days are worse, but every single day it's there for me at least. So I think that's kind of hard for people to understand. Yeah, definitely agree. I think with, since it, like I just always refer to it as a chronic pain because that's really what it is um, in my experience and stuff is that like you get kind of used to not that it's not painful but you get kind of used to like the constant kind of like so your pain tolerance gets to a certain level so when the pain is like at that like level consistently it still hurts and it's really painful but you're kind of used to it it's like a doll kind of like humming in the background so whenever you have moments where it flares past that and then that's when you're like oh wow like you really notice it it's hard to explain that to people who don't experience chronic pain, things like that, like trying to be like, no, it's it's all the time. It's just how how much can I handle kind of thing. I think for everybody, it's different, too. Everybody has a different pain scale. And on a scale of smiley face to frowny face, what's your pain scale? And so many people are different with that. And it's hard to describe exactly what the pain is, whether it's a sharp shooting pain, if it's adult aching pain, whether it's muscle pain or something like that to differentiate between that. And I think with us being able to deal with that chronic pain, we kind of are able to kind of figure out, for me anyway, I'm able to figure out, okay, it's just a muscle ache. Oh, okay. It's, it's the actual bone that's like throbbing and, you know, I need to take it easy and sit and relax a little bit. But with having that constant chronic, like aching and nagging, my pain tolerance has gone up. So whatever, you know, I have a lot of pain and they're like, what's your pain scale? And I say it's like a five to a normal person. It might be like an eight or nine. That's kind of where you may end up backing yourself into a corner because you're trying to play it off where it's not as bad as what it really is, where you could potentially maybe hurt yourself even more because you're not accepting how painful it is. I think that's definitely why it's like good to have good supportive people in your life that check in because I think especially for me being so far off of treatment and so far off of my diagnosis, it goes just back to like the invisible disability where I think people don't even give it a second thought. People that really know me don't even give it a second thought sometimes because they just think, well, you're fine, you're healthy. And it's been so long. Yes, it's really good that I have all those things. But also I think I just have that constant struggle and constant trauma of it all that it's just always there for me. And yes, I'm healthy and I'm happy that everything's going well and I'm so many years off of everything, but it's nice to feel like you're not forgotten that you still have a lot of daily struggles to kind of just relate back to like what Britt said about um, like having a good supportive boyfriend to always ask you like, how are you? Is your knee okay? Or to have like parents or family and friends, grandparents, or just to ask you occasionally, like, oh, how's your knee? Or like, are you hanging in there okay? And just to feel like, you know, I'm not just dealing with this silently on my own and trying to put off that I'm okay, but that they still remember that, yeah, you're healthy and everything's good. And thankfully you're fine, but you still have a daily issue that 
is really a big part of your life. I'm really thankful that I have my, my one older sister who's just like a really good advocate for me. And she's very much the person that, because like, I kind of like to undersell like my pain a lot of times because I don't like having to be like, yes, I'm in pain or, and then she's very much the person that's like, no, you're actually in a lot of pain. I know you are. And she will very much like yell at or kind of like get on anyone who tries to like minimize like what I go through or like my pain and stuff, which I really appreciate. So yeah, having those people in your life who are there is like a really good support is just really great. And if you can have that, that is the best thing you can have. And I can kind of relate to what you're saying about like underplaying it. Like sometimes I don't even want to bring it up to like my parents or certain people because I don't want them to worry so much or I just don't want it in their head that she's in such bad pain and there's really nothing we can do about it. And I just don't like sometimes put that out there to certain people just so they don't have that heaviness of feeling bad that I feel like this constantly, but there's really nothing you can do most of the time. So sometimes I do kind of keep it to myself on bad days just because I don't like to have that feeling of like worry with the answer behind it. So does anybody have any tips or tricks or suggestions or advice of how to maybe help, you know, if somebody's having a flare up or just how to maybe help reduce pain with this or for anybody that's newly diagnosed with this? I have a couple. I know for with my uh, with my ankle, a big one is definitely ice pack and elevation. Also with my, my hips and knees, I find the ice pack in general, ice seems a, a really solid, uh, go-to one for me. I found, and then just in general, if you're like having like a really bad day, like a really bad flare up, don't be afraid to just give yourself that day to just honestly lay and do nothing. Like you, you need that. Don't feel bad about it. You're, you need that. Your body's telling you I'm in too much pain. It's okay to just rest and give yourself that time. I find it interesting that you used ice. I always had a heat pack. Heat worked for me. And I think it, maybe it's because I was always cold all the time too, but the heat, it kind of loosened up the joints a little bit and just kind of helped everything relax. Because whenever I would have the pain flare ups, my muscles would just like get so tight and then it would make it worse. So the heat just, like I said, just kind of made everything relax a little bit. I tend to swell with mine. So the icing okay. also helps with the swelling. So swelling. I guess it depends like what, what your muscles are doing and stuff mm-hmm. kind of like which one to go to. Yeah, I would definitely say hang in there and be kind to yourself. Like Kat said, like that's why I feel so proud of you, Kat, for like figuring out you need to take a break with school or you need to do what you need to do for yourself. And that's what you need to just evaluate and see what you need to do for yourself. And I would say don't be afraid to experiment. Try the heat, try the ice. I've tried like massage, bath, different creams. Just like don't be afraid to, you know, I might be negative sometimes in my head of like, you know, this isn't going to help. Or people will be like, oh, try to leave. Like they're trying to be helpful. And, but they don't know that like stuff like that really hasn't helped for me in the beginning, like different like muscle creams and stuff like that and a massage or like a hot bath and stuff like that would help now more so I don't know if it's just getting worse or what but now those things kind of mask it in a moment but nothing really helps it long term so I would definitely say just like hang in there be kind to yourself like you said and 
you know, just don't be afraid to try different stuff and see what might help for you. Thanks for listening to Life on Pause. Ideas or suggestions for future episodes? Feel free to share them with us. Join us for the next recording on the third Tuesday of the month. Until Until next time. time.